Oh, stop it. This is Tall Can Audio. Well, well, well. Quite a day on the Talk In Audio podcast as we fire up another of the Versage sessions. Matt Robinson, Lee Versage, what's happening, man? Well, it's always good to see your smiling face, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even after it snowed for three consecutive mornings. Yeah. And Halloween, and you seem like you're on the downward part of Halloween where, you know, you probably ate 182 chocolate oh, bars, yeah. and then now you're on the downward, but we got some big news to pick you back up. It's true. It's true, man. And you can see there in my, my sad little bowl that most of what I had for Halloween candy has, has departed. Uh, but as you said, sweet news, depending on your, your point of view, uh, I suppose the, <laughs> I suppose the first round pick being taken away from the Ottawa senators is the cavity here. Maybe the, uh, what are they, they used to say the razor blade in the apple or the razor blade in the candy. Nobody got apples for, for Halloween, right? That wasn't an actual thing that, that it was an actual thing. Like. In the 60s and 70s. Yeah, okay. Well, it's not anymore. Yeah. Uh, some of us aren't as old as you to remember the 60s and the I 70s. Was told, see, the difference between you and I is <laughs> oh, I listen to my elders. Yeah, okay. okay? okay. Listen to your elders. Mm. So when my mother and father and grandmother and grandfather talk to me about this stuff, I listen. Okay. Uh, I listened a little. A little. <laughs> um, but also, I, the, the Ottawa Senators down a general manager. Yeah. They've been, uh, like I said, docked a first round pick. Uh, press conference there just wrapped up. We'll get into all of it, but we start with the beers, man. We always start with the beers. You brought a couple. We'll get into those on the, uh, the second round, but, uh, I don't know, man, time of year, still got the little bit of the sweet tooth following Halloween, the pecan pie porter from, uh, Double Trouble Brewing. You've or, had this one before. Or is it the pecan pie porter? Well, you tell me when your grandparents told you how to pronounce it, which way they, they told you. I'm a pecan guy. It's pecan. It seems like when people say, is it pecan or pecan, tomato, tomato, nobody in the blue bleep calls it tomato. No. Nobody. Same people who call it pecan. It's like if you're British or something, perhaps, Pro- if, if pro- you're a grandparent. problem I have with this is like, it's data, right? To you and I. Mm-hmm. But if people say data, then, mm. then what? What happens? It might be data for me. Right, yeah, which means that data. you're not a true Canadian. You're oh, not a true. Wow. You like to go where the wind blows, and if some you know most is, people man, are as calling a child, it, and and maybe still just just oh, a tiny, just a tiny little bit, Star Trek Next Generation nerd, which Commander Data, not Commander Data. So that's probably where okay that was set into my see mind. as a, f- I guess a, a fellow nerd <laughs> with wrestling ground. Star Trek wasn't my thing. Star Wars wasn't my thing. Right, but. I had wrestling, which was kind of at that time considered one of those way, way off Star Trek, Star Wars, wrestling, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. and people stayed with it. I have an appreciation for that. So I didn't think you could say something that was (laughs) going to be valid, valid. (laughs) but you also have provided the pecan pie port. It just sounds so much more... Refined? Yeah. Yeah. Pecan. Well, that's why it's pecan here. This is not a refined podcast. Correct. So let's open it. All right. Let's get into that. Again, you said the time of year where pecan pie porter, but a lot of porters, a lot of stouts. Mm, Man. Oh, he liked that. Yeah. And when I say time of year, it's as much just about the beer's darkening, right? The IPAs start to fade away. It's more browns and porters and and stouts. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. 
And w- one of the next ones I have for you is a very flavorful stout, but we'll get to that in yeah. a bit because this is a very flavorful this is. porter. This has got it going on a little bit, man. There's a lot of flavor right So what do you front. like about it? I like the, the – see, I would never sit down – and this is going to be weird. I would never sit down and have a piece of pecan pie. What? I'm not a pie person. I'm not really a dessert person much at all. Um, you ate 182 chocolate yeah, okay. bars. That's fair. But like when it comes to cakes and pies and things like that, it's just not really my my scene. I know you can tell because of my svelte, my svelte figure over here. You can't even say it properly. I can't because it's just so far from the truth. But, um, that, well, that obviously... No, I'm just disturbed by you don't like pies or cakes or what? It's just not really my scene. Yeah. I'd rather sit down, maybe have a cookie. Maybe have a, like you said, a little candy bar after dinner there, especially whether it was a box of 120 of them sitting out in the, uh, in the kitchen. But yeah, I'm probably not going to have a piece of pie. Okay. Butter tart? Probably not. Okay. Brownies, love a good brownie. Love a good Nanaimo bar. <laughs> right, which kind of is the same You are, thing. yeah. It's moving back towards your cakes and your pies. And <laughs> but, okay. Tarts, so. I. How about this? Can we come to an agreement that we'll work on it? Mm-hmm. Mm, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like no. you're not willing. If I give you a a piece of pie, like a, a not heated, interested. not interested, a heated piece of pumpkin pie. I'm pretty old, man. Cream. I'm pretty set in my ways here, dude. Do I look like I need another weight gain assistant? I, I, this I has nothing to do with I weight do, gain. It need... has to do with taste. Yeah, I'm gonna stick to my pecan pie porter. Okay, yeah, coconut cream pie stout from down at uh, Five Paddles. I think we've talked about it on here before. Yeah, delicious beer. I'll just have it in liquid form. I'll be just as happy, man. Don't we worry about me. What do you think of it? I like the forward flavor because it comes at you like it hits you. Yeah. Right? Bring it. Yeah. Now, I like, as opposed to you, and this is why we're so different, mm-hmm. cake, pie, cookie, chocolate, whatever. Sure. Sweet. Bit of a dessert guy. I'm in. Okay. As you can tell with my beer selections <laughs> a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah. So this one hits you with a lot of forward flavor. Right. Flavors that I like. Okay. It's a little bit bitter at the end for me. I would like a little bit more sweet finish. But at the same time, there are other beers that don't have this type of flavor yeah. to it. So, Well, my go-to example I've mentioned on this pod a few different times was a gift I was given for Christmas a couple years ago. The It was a Nanaimo bar stout. And it was in a giant bottle at the time. You might have seen it around the LCBO. Yeah, the I time. can't afford it. I, I pass it and I can't afford it. Good I, call though, because it didn't taste anything like Nanaimo bar. Really? It was a totally fine stout. If you had just said, here, try this stout, I'd have gone, this is a good beer. But as soon as you try and tell me this is our Nanaimo bar stout, you're going to have to bring that. And it didn't bring that. It, it had very little. I think it was like 14 food. or 15 bucks in the I, LCBO. I don't remember. It was like a four pack, right? Those of the big uh, quartz, basically. I don't remember how much. Oh, it was a gift. I don't. I, I didn't see the price tag. So, and you didn't look at it. Good. No. Good. Why would I do that? But you're right. When you put that on the front, yep, it needs to live up to that title, right? And I think this one does with agreed a lot of flavor in it. Like I said, I'd like a little bit more sweet finish, but I will always sacrifice that little like William Nylander for more, more sweet f- finish. 
Man, he sweet he, finish. He, he no, he, <laughs> he. I just before we because we're not going to talk about the Leafs. We're not. I just want to say how appreciative I am of some of the really cool things they do early in a regular season that they can never bleep and do at the end when it matters. But it's so pretty in October and November to watch. It's it's awesome. That's, I, I, that's your takeaway of what William Nylander's done so far this year is that yeah, same with Cole Caulfield. It's very pretty. It's very yeah, same with Cole Caulfield. Like. Cole Caulfield just racking up those four on three goals in oh. overtime. <laughs> every time I turn the TV on Montreal's in overtime Honestly. and Caulfield's never leaving the ice. <laughs> like every time. Winnipeg's the same thing too. Every time I turn the Jets on, they're in overtime and losing. Got to turn on the Jets. Well, I don't plan to. They I just know. sort of, the games start later and anything I'm yep. watching, it sort of, oh, let's see what else is on. Oh, the Jets are in overtime again. Oh, they're losing again. Cool. Um Back. I'd like to say this about the Sens as we move into the Yeah, let's get into the news here. I'm kind of sick of them being in the news. And like, it was fun for a long time as someone who doesn't like the Sens to just go, ah, look at these guys floundering know, around and they can't. And now, I know it's you, like every week, I okay. just, can we just talk some hockey? No, can we so, tell, like, I, I, I wanted this week, I, I, you probably didn't even look at it. I updated our list of topics for the show that, uh, our, why don't our you ships. go back and check the corrections that I put into your show notes before <laughs> I came over? Oh, that's spicy. Okay. You probably didn't I look didn't, at it, I eh? Didn't. No, I didn't. Did you look at my corrections? No. 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 I, okay. I, okay. Good. So, so I'm actually just as guilty or actually more guilty. Correct. Here this time. We'll get to that. Uh, and I'm going to stop you here because oh. I know it's your show and you're, it, it's so nice that you've invited me here. It's our, um, it's but, our show. But I am going to stop you because I'm going to stick up right now mm-hmm. for the fans of this community. And I don't love the way the team has been run and I've been vocal about it. And I actually think today going in a new direction and having this happen, short-term pain for long-term gain. Right. And that will happen. But I'm going to stick up for people here. They've been put through a ton and they have not deserved it. So I don't give a crap what a Leaf fan or a Hab fan or or somebody else. Yeah. Or a Devils fan thinks of, oh, I'm sick about hearing about the Senators in the news. You know who's sick about hearing about them? Sense fans. And Sens fans... That is absolutely not accurate because every time we do one of these and we don't talk about the Sens drama... The numbers are lower than if we do talk about the Sens drama. So they want to hear about it, okay? No, they so, want to They want to hear it. They're listen, listening. I'm telling you, I want to talk about the Sens. If we're going to talk about the Sens, what they're doing on the ice. I had in our notes today, which is how we started out, I wanted to talk about what's going on I, in Calgary. I corrected I, that. Like, yeah. I, that was, okay. <laughs> See, I'd like, there was some things that I'd like to get to, but every week it's like, oh, no, actually Shane Pinto is suspended, so why don't we talk about that for a half an hour? And, oh, no, this week they're being docked a first-round pick for something that happened 18 months ago. Why don't we talk about that for another half hour? At least this time there is a body count. The general manager is gone. In theory, we will turn the page and get down to business. But I'm just, as someone who and it is partly because I'm not a Sens fan. Right. It would just be like if you assholes could stop stubbing your toe every nine days, we could get on to other things. How do you think Sens fans feel about that? I bet they feel pretty frustrated. Their team has not played a playoff game yeah. since May of 2017. Right. Chris Kunitz. Oh, you happen to know that off the top sure of your head. Do. Yeah? <laughs> that was a big day do for me. Do you want me to list every Florida Panther goal scorer in last year's playoffs? That was a big day for me because... It would only take me in, five games to do it. Having to come in here <laughs> with Rob knowing that the Sens were in the cup final in 2017 was going to be a nightmare. Mm. So 
I wasn't necessarily cheering for the Penguins, but I absolutely was cheering to not do those podcasts. Right. <laughs> so. so you do want me to name all the Florida Panthers second round goal scorers from last year? It only took me five games. It'll be real quick. Sure. Yeah, you don't have it. What do you mean Google, I don't have Google, it? Google, Google, Google. It's no, Brendan Montour. It's uh, Sam. Let, look, yeah. Let's get down to business. Sens fans want to talk about Pierre, what happened today. Pierre Dorian. Gone. Fired. Yeah. Uh, First I, round pick. Gone with him. Okay. I, let, so let's start there. Yeah. I should, know, we, should we reset the table or do we think everybody knows? This this ties to the Dadanov trade. Yeah. Um, 2021, the Senators trade him away. He has a 10-team no-trade list, which means he gives the Senators a list of 10 teams. You can't trade me here. And they trade him to Vegas, which was not on that list. Vegas, by all reporting, Frank Cervalli has gone in detail on this as recently as today and said that his understanding is on that call. Vegas says any no-trade protection we need to be aware of. Ottawa says no. Okay. Off we go. A little while later, Vegas decides we need to clear com- clear some cap space because we are ruthless as hell and we are going for another cup this year. So they go, they trade him to Anaheim, and Dadanoff goes, no, Anaheim is on my no-trade list. Vegas says, you don't have a no-trade list, and now we have a problem. It gets traced back that Ottawa is the one who said he didn't have it, that he didn't submit the list in time. The agent is able to prove, here it is, us submitting it. And this all falls back in Ottawa's lap. I have no idea, and this seemed to be a point of of tension, a point of irritation for Michael Andlauer during the press conference. Why did it take so long to investigate this, to get here, and to finally make this decision? But essentially, as punishment, the Senators are docked a first-round pick. They will have the choice whether to give that up in 24, 25, or 26. It's not given to Vegas. It's just... You don't have it. It's it's taken away from you. Uh, Ottawa will be able to make that decision within 24 hours after the draft lottery each of the next three years. Take it away, Lee. That's well done. Thank you. The reason I keep you around here on Thursdays. <laughs> so, you mentioned, first of all, the irritation of Michael Anlauer, and he said in the press conference, why I inherited this is beyond me mm-hmm. and does not understand why the league took so long to render a decision, but he called it negligent and took it upon himself, even though he knows he didn't do it, that he, as part of now the organization... It's it's the organization, right. Even though he wasn't here, he takes some responsibility. First of all, I think he had a fantastic press conference. You and I will probably get into this a little bit, Mm -hmm. but that guy came across... In the press conference, like a human being, I yes, I am going to take <laughs> responsibility because I'm the owner of the team, and I'm going to be as transparent as I can, and I'm also going to show you that I'm pissed off about it because I don't think I should ever be in this situation in the first place. And yeah, he when, said, when, when you said human being, that's exactly it. He didn't come across like I don't know Ross Atkins. Yeah. Some automaton sitting up there right. with no It was empathy, like, no, no, I just got here. I own this team. It's been awesome. The last 10 days have sucked. Mm-hmm. I got Shane Pinto. I got this happening to us. I have no idea why I was put in this situation. Yeah. I thought he had a really good press conference that way. 
There were moments where I thought it was less polished than the first one. Perhaps that's to be expected. I don't want it to be polished. I understand what you're saying. Unpolished but to me, it is felt like perfection he was all sometimes. over the map Unpo- a little bit. Unpolished comes okay. across as human. Okay. No? Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I disagreed with you on how good this one was. I don't know that this is a place we need to get bogged down because I think there's going to be enough of those. Um, the press conference to me was not as important as what we're actually talking about. He did take responsibility. It's, this is, it's us. We were negligent. It was right. our fault. It could have been avoided. So was a I, phrase he used multiple okay. times. So I do think it's really important though, and that's where I'll kind of stand up for this and and talk about it for a couple more minutes because it is important. What Senator fans have not had in a very, very long time is anything from the top, from Eugene Melnick to Pierre Dorian to things that have happened underneath that that they can trust. Michael Ann Lauer laid a foundation today. Like, I can trust that guy. If you're a sense fan, I can trust that guy. And they haven't had that. And that's so important to have within your organization when it is going, as you said, every week there's a different story about how these yeah. players and people in the organization have screwed up. Fans are tired of it. At, in, the, in the very early going, uh, when he's talking about Pierre Dorian, he says, Pierre Dorian resigned. And then in like the next sentence or yeah. two sentences later, he says, and that's a decision I had to make. Yeah. And so one of the reporters, I can't remember who, somebody circled back and said, can you kind of walk us through that? Because yeah. resigned and then you making the decision is not the same thing. And look, sometimes you're up there, you're just talking. Sometimes you let it be framed as resigned to let the guy save face a little bit. Um you know, either way. And he kind of says, well, I was sort of on the fence about this or thinking about this a week ago. And I started talking to Steos. And then last night we talked to Dorian. And, and so I, at this point, I think Pierre Dorian was told you're not continuing on in this role. Do you want to resign or do you want me to fire you? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think Pierre Dorian was, it was probably framed that if you don't do this, I don't see another way out of... Then that's a firing. Right. I agree. Okay. And he probably should have said that there was no way that Pierre Dorian was going to be able to stay on if like, getting past this was not something that I was going to allow. Right. Okay. He phrased it maybe in a way of like, they went to dinner. It was a little hazy. That's all. Yeah. They went to dinner though. Hey, let's have a frank conversation. If I know that I'm not going to get over it, I don't have to say you're fired. I am going to let you know that I'm not going to be able to, I don't think, get over this one. Right. And then Pierre Dorian might say to him, okay, well, in that case, I'm going to go. Yep. Right. But to me, it all leads to the same place. And it's him saying, we're not getting past this. And that's my call. Agreed. So So phrase it however you want. Pierre Dorian was not. Weaseling is a is a strong word, but he wasn't going to explain his way out of this no. one to be able to keep his no. job. And you could tell that when Andlauer kept saying in the press conference, uh, A, he was using the word negligent, and B, he kept using the word this was avoidable. Yeah. So he's saying we should have known how to do that. And he, again, yeah. it was sort of awkwardly worded, but he did say at one point that he doesn't think this would happen now because there's he, he likes the two-headed management structure, which I think he's saying had Dorian had a 
president of hockey operations working with him at the time of this deal, this probably doesn't get missed, right? This probably someone else catches. No, wait, he does have a, a no trade list, right? That's sort of what I took away from that. Okay, but that's assuming that it was missed and not flat out. So this mentioned. was the other. This was the other main point that they wanted to clear up, or that people have been asking about. Was this done out of incompetence, or was this done like maliciously? Did you deliberately mislead Vegas so that you could make this trade, or did you just miss it? Did you just screw up? And neither are okay, but it's important to get that answer, right? Like it's important to know, is your guy out here deliberately trying to mislead other general managers or did he just fuck up? Right. Either way might be grounds for dismissal, but Pierre Dorian's future working in the league, if he's misleading people is in serious question. One is worse than the other. Of course. You don't want either one, but one is a bigger problem than the other. For Pierre Dorian. Yeah. Not for the decision to let him go. Well, no. Right? But, You're letting him go regardless. But if he was deliberately misleading people, you have to fire him because no one else will ever trust you again to make a trade, to make any of these moves, right? If, if that was part of it. So we yeah, may never I, get the answer. We might. We, we may never get the answer. He kept saying negligence though, so he's trying to cover for Dorian just a little bit. Um, yeah, if I had to guess, it seems like a lot of the facts are there that Vegas did ask. Yep. And if they asked, even if it was not looked at before, wouldn't you say, hey. We'll check on that. You know what? I didn't, maybe I didn't realize. Like you can have private conversations and go, you know what? I I don't think so, but you know what? I'm not a thousand percent sure. So I'm going to go back and double check. Right. Yeah. Because that's what people with, you know, some ethics would do. <laughs> in that situation would be, hey, I'm making a trade with you. I'm not trying to fleece you. I'm trying to make our team better. Right. You're asking me a question. I'm I don't have the answer right in front of me. I'll I, check on I'm ninety nine percent that yeah. I have the answer, but I'm not a hundred percent. So I have to go back and check because that's in good faith. That's ethical. Yep. If the answer was, and it seems to be that Vegas asked, well, you can't just have them ask and and have the senators do nothing about it. They either have to go back and check on it and give them an answer later, or they're going to fabricate the truth to you to get the deal done. Yeah. One of those two things has happened. Mm -hmm. So even oh. if Vegas, even if I give Pierre Dorian the benefit of the doubt that he was asked and he goes, ah, I'm not sure. Well, then you'd go back and check and then you would be sure. Yeah. And then... You would come back to Vegas and go, sorry, there is a 10-team list. Does this make a difference in... Yeah, because we should reiterate, Vegas wasn't on it. Ottawa could send him to Vegas, no problem. But right. it was going to be up to Vegas later on. Here are 10 places you're not going to be able to send him. And maybe that does trade their, now, change their interest. I'm going to ask you a question, and it doesn't... I don't want to get too far off topic, because this is a huge issue. Yeah. But when this came up at the time, at the radio station, and people talking about it, I still don't have an answer to this question. It seems to, my mind is boggled and that happens easily. I'm sitting across the table from you every Thursday. So my mind is boggled that every trade and every contract 
when there are sort of whatever the word is, like factors that no trade lists and no move clauses, like amendments to a contract mm-hmm. when those contracts are written up. Yeah. Can somebody tell me why the league doesn't have all of that information already? Yeah. And they don't have to ask the team. Now, I am not taking any responsibility off of I Pierre Dorian and the Senators. Why is there not a central registry that says, in player A's contract, this and this amendment are attached? How did... Yeah, so how did the first trade go through without Vegas knowing from the NHL's point of view? Not from the Senators' point of view. Because that tr- that registry doesn't exist. Each team keeps it. And I think a part of this is because... They switch, right? That no, that you get to update that 10 teams every year. And mm-hmm. so do you want to keep... Look, it wouldn't be that complicated. You hire... Do you want to keep? Two, yeah. How about I hire one person that takes I, I mean, care of this I'm stuff? I'm saying to the player, are you keeping the same 10 teams? Or are you changing them this year? You know, was it submitted on time? I You could hire, you know, for $22,000, some kid out of college to, to run that little part of the NHL's central registry. I just it don't understand why deal. there are things in contracts... That the NHL, I think it's because, like I said, about. they're constantly moving parts in them, and the league up. And I think you're going to see that now. I think now you'll see that dropped in there. But these are, in theory, these are contracts signed with one team. Like your employer is that team. Here's the terms of that contract, and this has never been an issue before. This is a little like, yeah, and actually that was going to be in bad taste. I'm not even going to go there. This is a little like. You want to say it. We are having a gigantic conversation right now about mandating neck guards. Yes. There is not an epidemic of throat cutting. Right. Do I think we should implement neck guards? Yes. But is it because suddenly this is happening all over the place? No, it's happened once and it's ended tragically. Right. So now we're having the conversation. So in this case, there is not an epidemic of trades that are falling apart no trades not being honored, right? It's always been fine. People have been transparent with each other. No one's ever bungled it quite like this. Now that it has been bungled like this, we're going to have the okay. conversation. I guess. Yeah. It just, when the NHL or Michael Anlauer said that the league was embarrassed, maybe they were embarrassed because they didn't have all their ducks in a row. And if I'm the league, I get it that I don't like that these teams are doing it. But this has never happened to anybody else. This is just Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators. You can't tell me that it's never happened ever. Well, have you heard about it happening before? Not this particular particular issue, but you're telling me that there are NHL contracts out there that have to be looked at by the league in order for trades to go through, yet the NHL doesn't have the information when these trades are made? That, That... that's just stupid. That's fine, but it's passing the buck. This is the senator's fault. Yeah, no, this is entirely I entirely the senator's I, and fault. You know what? You know what I would compare it to? Brett screwed Brett. I have no sympathy whatsoever for Brett. Well, I have that's, no sympathy uh, for Vince when he got knocked out in the locker room by Brett. <laughs> right. This is where we're at with this. This is entirely Pierre Dorian's doing. Yes. And. Uh, uh, and so maybe the next logical place to go with this is the punishment. It's the first round pick that yeah. Ottawa's being docked. Yeah. Uh, Sens fans, look, quite rightly, yeah. are pretty pissed. It does seem stiff. And I should point this out, as uh, as listeners have been pointing out for me all day today. Uh, I put out an episode on Wednesday morning where I said, it's not going to be a first round pick. That's ridiculous. It's way too stiff. They're not going to do that. Well, because the Chicago Blackhawks <laughs> don't. Didn't, let's, let's not do that. No, the Chicago Blackhawks didn't get penalized 
I'm not, I'm not even going down that road. I'm not going to have a conversation where a botched hockey trade is, is even considered in the same discussion as a 10 year sexual assault cover up. Right. I'm not, do, I'm not doing that. Yeah, but you have to because no, that, I don't. No, I don't. that 10 year cover up did not get punished as much as this. Correct. I just told you I'm not having that conversation. It's gross to me that we're even going to consider talking. If, okay. if that's a comparison for you, you can have that, but I'm not weighing in on it. Like you can. Okay. Well, I'll say to me, it's it, fine. I'll say these are not things that should be discussed in the same sentence. I think it's gross. But I'm agreeing with you that it's gross. And but if, that Ottawa gets to go, hey, they're allowed to rape people. So how come we can't do bad trades? No, it's not that. It's the fact that the National Hockey League isn't doing enough on what you're talking about that is gross. That's what the issue is. And when you have a hockey screw up as opposed to a, something that is so much more, um, it's just such a terrible thing. One is people One, with real life consequences. Yes. The other is a hockey trade. Right. And that got punished less. Yeah. So it's a really difficult thing for people to understand. It's not a... I've seen people making this argument all day on Twitter. I'm just, you're not taking me there. It's, yep. it's No, but it's just not a... If you screw up a hockey thing, how is that worse than screwing up a life thing that has affected human beings? And what I think will happen here, or I think it at least is a possibility of happening, is with the decision to part ways with the person who did this and with a new owner coming in, will the punishment now be lessened because the senators took swift action in... So this is the other one, and this one you, you, you can debate is New Jersey, right? New Jersey signs Ilya Kovalchuk to a contract that clearly circumvents the salary cap. The yep. league cancels the contract, says, no, you can't do that. Um, the contract gets redone, and New Jersey is punished by losing, I believe, a first and a third round pick. Yep. And uh, then Kovalchuk doesn't even stay for the whole terms of the contract. He bolts <laughs> back to Russia, leaves like $70 million on the table. And then New Jersey has new ownership, and the group... And, and the organization turns around and says to the league, look, it wasn't us that did it. The player's gone. Can we, you know, can we reel this in a little on the punishment? Yeah. The NHL doesn't give them back their pick, but does give them the 30th pick. So they have a first round pick back, but it wouldn't, you know, in theory, if I don't even know what it would have been that year, if New Jersey would have picked 13th that year, you're picking 30th still. It was not tied to their performance anymore. So right. that one was rescinded and softened. I I think the NHL knew this. there was a new owner coming in. They've obviously talked to him. He, uh, Michael Anlauer said that in the press conference. He was given like a 70-page report on what had happened. 73-page report. You know, the third page, the last three pages are just like the glossary and the table of contents and stuff. Those 70 pages, I think. Uh, I didn't realize you had seen the document. I, uh, that's, it's, that's nice. That's really interesting, yeah. Uh, look, <laughs> and, and you could, at that point, they could have said to him, fire Pierre Dorian and we will soften it to this or keep him and understand that you're getting the first round. But I, I think it's a little pie in the sky right now for Sens fans to go, okay, that guy's gone. We'll get our pick back or we'll get something like just because yeah, it's been rescinded it once doesn't mean it's automatically going to be rescinded again. I think that's possible. But I, I, one of the things I would like to ask you about this is what would you do in response, as I said off the top, Ottawa has the choice to give up their first round pick 
in 24, in 25, or 26. So in theory, mm-hmm. the longer you wait to do it, maybe everybody cools off a little, right? Maybe if you keep saying, we'll do it next year, we'll do it next year. And then just before 26 draft, you go to Gary and go, come on, look, like this was a, not a thing. The guy's been gone forever and maybe you do get your pick back. But that's a bit pie in the sky. I would tell you in terms of hockey strategy, I'd give it up this year. Barring like catastrophe where you end up in the lottery and like picking. So you've watched them for their first eight games. Right. But the reason I would do that is because all your young guys have like just graduated, right? You're early in this window that you're hoping is about to open to Mm -hmm. contend. And so all those pieces are there. In theory, in three or four or five years even. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. Yeah. You're going to be up against the cap. You're going to be, pu- in, in theory, right? Well, You'll be pushing for a championship. They are up against the cap well, <laughs> right now. <laughs> right. But like, in theory, you would either then have a first round pick that has made his way into your lineup and is playing cheap on an entry level contract, yeah. or you have the prospect or pick to trade to bring in something else at the deadline. I would want to, in a hockey sense, get this out of the way as quick as possible so that it's not hanging over me while I'm trying to go through that contention. Yeah, I, I think, honestly, Matt, to answer that, having covered a lot of junior hockey and a lot of scouts and a lot of NHL drafts, which, by the way, on another episode, we got to talk about the decentralization of yes. the NHL draft. It was like my favorite thing to go to ever. <laughs> Been to 10 of them. Yeah. Um, Rooming with AJ. That's going to be a show itself. Man, yeah. I was having such a good day. <laughs> so with that, you really do, I trust the scouts when when you're with them one-on-one and they're not on record and stuff. They're just telling you what's happening. They know, like, they know things more than you know your technical equipment here that you've been working with every single day. Yeah. They know every guy in that draft they know sure. whether it's going to be a good draft. They know whether it's going to be a bad draft, deep draft, not a deep draft. Like just because they know it doesn't mean like the teams execute all of that. But sure. and it doesn't mean you don't find diamonds in the rough and players just because you look at somebody at 17, it's why I think the draft age should be like pushed back to 19 or 20 because it's just such a gamble to know what guys are at 17 years old as opposed to what they turn into at 22, which yep. is like five years later and they're 22 years old. But you know, so until a bunch of scouts could tell me if the 24 or the 25 or the 26 draft is good, bad, or indifferent, yeah, what pick number 27 might be in one draft might be 45 in another draft. Sure. yeah. And until you know that information, until you have all of that at your disposal, I don't know whether I'd be, oh, let's just get it over with so that we can move on. Because if you get it over with in this deep draft and then the next draft comes along and it's really not close to what the previous draft was, Mm -hmm. like you look at the difference between, say, 2011 and 2012, the NHL drafts, right, it's just mind-boggling. To look at those drafts and go, my God, in 2011, you guys just, you know, deep into the first round that were so good. I mean, 2003 is like one of the the greatest first rounds ever. But you look at some of the other drafts that came along where it just is so deep. And then the next year, it's like, oh, yeah, picks one, three, five, and six were crap. (laughs) 
right? So sure. until I have that information, I don't know. I'm not going to make that call. I do think it could be. I don't think it's pie in the sky. Speaking of the pecan pie porter to be drinking at this point. <laughs> Did I say pecan? <laughs> Damn it. Um, the pecan. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's pie in the sky. I do think it's a, a worthwhile conversation down the road for the NHL in the sense to go, look, we didn't inherit this. We got rid of the guy right away. Um, I, I don't think we did anything intentionally here with this group now. And I think that's a conversation down the road. Doesn't So you would just hang on to it as long as you can and hope he changes his mind? No, I would... I would put this in the hands of my scouts and go, just, you need to tell me where and how deep the drafts are because sometimes we get caught up in, oh, you're a playoff team. You're not playoff team. You're in the lottery. Oh, it matters so much. And you're 15th. And then you lose in the first round of the playoffs and you're 17th. Well, that's 17th overall could could be way better. So I, I would, I would put it in their hands. And you tell me when the best, if I'm the owner, you tell me when the best time to, to do this is. Maybe we jumped the gun a little bit just on the fact that it is a first round pick. Did that surprise you that it was that hefty? Yeah, of course it did. But the NHL doesn't like to be embarrassed. And sometimes they do things that they can rescind later to make the punishment kind of what people thought. And it's background noise at that point. They make statements early and it's easier to go back on those statements when people don't care as much. Like if this story comes across in a year where the senators, let's just compare it to the New Jersey situation where they get the 30th, 31st pick. How many teams are in the NHL again? There's 32, but 32. At, at the New Jersey thing, it was 30. Okay. So, so you get the 33rd pick. Yeah. And that's if that story comes out in a year, are people going to go, oh my God, I can't believe they went bad? No, they're not. So it's easier to make statements up front to make sure that you're protecting the image of your league as opposed to what you might do in a year where nobody really cares. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I think the NHL overcompensates sometimes when they get embarrassed I, 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 as you know, as I already said, and as the listener knows, I already said, I didn't think it would be a first. I assumed it would be at least a third. Like they were going to get hit here. Oh yeah, um, for sure. Maybe a second and, and a first. Yeah, I'm a little surprised and perhaps not surprisingly. Look, I'm the easy guy to, to go, ah, you're just picking on the sends or, or whatever. I don't think a first is as crazy as some people say it is. It, it's higher than I thought, obviously, mm-hmm. but they fucked over a lot of people here. Right. Like, we can start with Vegas, who has this reputation already of being kind of heartless, right? You go back to Marc-Andre Fleury and, yeah. and what, just, look, if you can't help us, you're gone and we're moving on. And look, Vegas has been a good team since they came into the league and they have a championship. So they're probably doing this right been pretty by good being that heartless. Too. Yes, exactly. But they don't want a reputation of being like, we're just totally ignoring people's no trade lists and, and things like that. So you yep. sort of fucked over Vegas. Well, you, you, did, f- you did screw them over, right. for sure. You fucked over Anaheim. Yes. To a lesser degree, but still, because Anaheim doesn't want it to be made public that we're on people's no trade lists, right? First, like, yeah. th- it, that's a bad look for any team when you find that out. And so that came out when it never should have because that trade talk never even should have. Well, they also wanted the player. Yeah. For whatever, maybe they wanted the player for cap reasons. Right. I don't care why they wanted him. Yep. They wanted him and they didn't get him. And they didn't get him. And then Dadanov himself 
has all the contractual right in the world because he negotiated this contract and his agent got the document in to say, I'm not going there. Right. And yet it gets public and now there's fans on Anaheim's side, on Vegas' side going, look, Vegas' fans want him to go so they have the cap space. Yep. Anaheim's fans are saying like, what, is our team not good enough for you? Uh, Dadanoff also has to walk back into that locker room the next day, which is going to be uncomfortable as hell going, hi, I'm still here, right? Like, so you screwed over all three of those parties. So not to mention the National Hockey League, right? Yeah, I could care less about them. I know, but but you're right. It doesn't mean they didn't screw them over just because you you looked a little that you made them look a little Mickey Mouse, right? And, And your point earlier on that had the league had this documented better and centralized better, this could have been avoided, but they don't because it had never been an issue before. So the league is made to look bad as well. So a first round pick, it's hefty, but I don't think it's crazy. Like, I don't think it's, oh my God, you've made a mountain out of a molehill kind of thing. I think you made a lot of people look bad. Everyone knows where this is coming from. Even Michael Andlauer in his press conference says, this is us, right? This happened. It wasn't him. He wasn't here yet, but it was his team. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a punishment here and it was going to be significant. And so the more I've sort of thought about it over the course of the day, I go, yeah, maybe it's not crazy. Maybe a first isn't crazy. And because, to me, the reason it's a first is because of what we just talked about previously. It's really hard without having the information right in front of you to call somebody a liar. (laughs) But I think the punishment came down. This is an opinion that the punishment was as harsh as it was because this was done on purpose. It was not done by accident. If you, you think somewhere in that private document that you and I don't have, there is some evidence that this might have been Pierre kind of giving a fuck you to the Vegas goal. Because they've made some trades in the past that haven't worked out for Ottawa too. Like, you think there might have been some malice in what he was doing? I, I Malice is, is hard. I think if you want the deal to go through. You say what you got to say. You say what you got to say for the deal to go through. Oof. If that, if that is true, they had no choice but to fire him. He had to go. You cannot have anyone running your franchise that other GMs, other teams are going, that guy's greasy and we can't deal with him. Right. You got to go. So you got to go. If the NHL found out where to me, it, it absolutely looks like this happened. The NHL took 18 months. If Michael Anlauer wants to know why it took so long, I don't know why it took 18 months. But it's pretty clear that they've talked to all of the parties involved and they agree with Vegas and they agree with Anaheim and they don't agree with Ottawa. Right. And that makes it seem to me like this was done. Again, malice is the wrong word, but it wasn't done by accident. This wasn't if it was strictly an oversight. Right. If it was done by accident, somebody didn't actually know that there was a you still might want to fire your GM for being bad at his job, but there would be less, you know, you have to go right now, right? Like there would be less of this sort of shady. Yeah. It was an accident, an accident that's not forgivable from a GM point of view, that a guy that you want running your team. But if I think this was an accident by the NHL standards, maybe it's a second or third round punishment, not a first. Yeah. Where it seems like, hey- this was not an accident and we have the proof that it's not an accident. So we are going to make it. Yeah. I I just, I've been wading through hockey Twitter this afternoon and 
look, I, I totally understand Sens fans being pissed and, and wanting to point over here and point over there. Like, I'd be pissed too if my team was docked a first round pick for something like this. But I just think there's an element, like the people saying that Vegas, like, there's, Vegas put out a tweet that said, we're satisfied with the league's investigation, we'll have no further comment. And the replies are just full of, you're pissy pants, right? You're, no, they had a legitimate grievance here. Of course they They did. got screwed. They've been made to look bad. It, this is not about blaming Vegas. You know, this is, this is very much. I'd like Brett to blame. Screwed Brett. I'd like to blame Vegas for a lot of things. Sure. Because I personally don't like some of the people and the way that they run their operation. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean they're at fault, they're at fault for yeah. everything that happens. Yeah. You can't. Th- this is on the Sens, and the Sens got punished today. That's right. And Pierre Dorian was let go because of it, because it's a big, big mistake. So we have said this a few different times. I know you have on the radio. We have here on the show. Is this finally the time where the Sens turn the page? The, the, uh, this, this maybe sounds a little, a little dark, but the Melnick passing was going to be a turning of the page. The new owner was going to be a turning of the page. There was the, the new contracts, right? Jake Sanders, everything's looking up. That's going to be a turning of the page. Are we, are we finally there? Like, is there anything left that is going to be unearthed from this gross past of the Ottawa Senators? Or do they finally get to just, Okay, it's all done. It's all obviously they're gonna have to go out and find a GM, but all of that stuff we've put it in the past, and this team is finally now going to just be a normal National Hockey League franchise. It doesn't mean that other things won't come out of what the organization has done in the past, but yes, the answer is yes to your question. <laughs> that this is this is a a, a new era for the direction of where the Ottawa Senators are going. I think it was handled well by Ann Lauer and Steos today. And just think about the fact that how many people have been hired around Pierre Dorian that Pierre Dorian didn't really have a say in what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you one in Daniel Alfredson, uh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to bet. Well, even going back to like Pierre Maguire and. Well, I know all of those <laughs> ones, but when Michael Anlauer has come in, Michael Anlauer hired Steve Steos, and yeah. I don't think he could have give a rat's ass about what Pierre Dorian thought. That's right. So. Well, we talked a week or two ago about that meme. I think it was on opening night for the Sen- the home opener for the Sens, where Michael Anlauer and Steve Steos are sort of huddled in the owner's booth kind of talking about something and Pierre Dorian's off on his own, like yep. not, not part of the group. Right. Like, but I don't think he cared what Pierre Dorian thought about hiring Steve Stales no. as the president of hockey operations. Uh, Daniel Alfredson came in and uh, I don't think that's a great relationship between Daniel Alfredson and Pierre Dorian. Right. Um, I was surprised that he actually came in before something was done with Pierre Dorian. Yeah. But now something is. I think you'll see more of Alfie. I think there's been there's been other people as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um Pierre Dorian hasn't had a say in a bunch of stuff that's happened since Michael Anlauer came in. And now that he's gone, I think a lot of this stuff is for Sens fans, it feels like 
this is this the, was the one the last, last painful dom- band-aid to rip yeah, off. Yeah, this is the last something. domino to fall in an era that's been terrible for the Ottawa Senators for a long time. Yeah. And look, I, I don't as a guy who lost his job and like I never feel good when people lose oh. their jobs. I do think Pierre Dorian has done enough wrong to not still be the general manager of the senators before today. Well, Bruce Garriott kicked off that press conference saying, was this essentially the straw that broke the back? The last straw. Yeah, the last straw. That's right. And Michael Anlauer goes, that would be a fair way right. to describe it. And then it seemed like a minute or two later, and I'm not trying to criticize Anlauer on the presser again. It seemed like maybe he felt like that was a harsh way to frame it. Like he sort of wanted to pull it back a little bit, but he, he was suggesting that, yeah, enough's enough, right? Like it, this was too much. It's time to go. I think I've learned when people come into new situations, the worst thing that you can do is come in and not listen and go, I got all the answers right away. So you, 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 and you are gone. Right. And I'm going to do things my way and I'm the new boss. Yeah. Worst thing that you could, worst thing you could possibly do. Doesn't mean that you don't have ideas as to what is happening within the organization, whether it's like. Sean Burke with the Ottawa Red Blocks. Mm-hmm. I think I think he had a pretty good idea of what was happening in his organization long before he let Paul Apolise go. Yeah. But he gave Paul Apolise a long time to be able to try and figure it out. And I think he listened to a lot of people and let things play out until a time came where he had to make a decision. Well, Brendan Shanahan comes into the Leafs. He's given control. He's the new president. He goes, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to see what this all looks like. And he gives it like 10 months. Right. And then it's bloody Monday and everybody's gone. Yeah. It's gone. Coaches are gone. Management's gone. Yeah. But he, he gives he, it time. Yes. I got to see for myself what this looks like. So do I think that Michael Anlauer and then Steve Steos probably had an idea yeah. that things weren't <laughs> going in the right direction right. and that they were going to have to change things? I think they did. Sure. But it's not like they were going to come in and go, okay, Bam, 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 this person, this person, this person, you're all gone and we're going to start and that's it. They're going to sort of let things play out, unfortunately or fortunately for them, a day like today comes around and you're like, I'm not going to let this play out any longer. Yeah, This happened. It wasn't under my watch, but this happened and this is not going to be okay going forward. So I'm, I am parting ways with this person who made a terrible, terrible mistake in the hockey world. Right. So- do I think it would have happened anyway in the next six months or a year? I personally do. Yeah, yeah. But this the door got opened. Yeah. And this situation has allowed it to be expediated. Unfortunately for sense fans and the organization, the expense of a first round pick being taken away. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe you're going to bring this up, but interesting that along the way, Steve Steo said, what was his exact wording um, about that? He still has faith in the coaching staff. Yeah. He thinks that they're going in the right direction. They come out looking organized, which is the part I took exception to. He was right when he said the players want to play for DJ, the players respect DJ. Right. I think all that's true because they still look organized to start their game. Do they? (laughs) Like to me, they are not a good team in their own zone. They don't appear to know what to do. Correct. Yeah. So, so I, I, I rolled when he said, we look organized. Yeah. No, no. 
You had a three-game losing streak stopped because you got absolutely torched and Tristan Jari couldn't stop a beach ball. <laughs> now, I get it. That happens the other way, too, sure. where you play better and the other goalie plays well, yep. and maybe you deserve some of those. But for anybody that thinks that they played well in Pittsburgh, if you look at the scoreline, they got torched in the first half of that game. Yeah. Like, it was... The shots at one point were 20... I want to say they were 23-8, to eight, and the Sens were leading 3 nothing. Yeah, and while Tristan Jari can't stop a beach ball, you got Corpusalo doing his 1998 Dominic Hasek impression at yeah. the other end. So and and organized, he looked like a fish out of water that was just <laughs> happening happening to be stopping the puck that day instead of not stopping. But you're the right; puck. those can go the other way for sure. Yeah. But they don't look organized. No, they don't. So let's that's the point that Steve Steo said. Yeah, and let's get to another part of this. Okay, where man. Uh, I'm having a hard time with DJ Smith right now because it's like I want to like him. I, I, I did like him. I want to like him. The players like him. Yep. I think he's got some really good qualities as a coach. But are you kidding me with the – I'm going to get the exact quote here because I don't want to – I don't want to. If miss. I'm about to smash someone, I want it to be for a real quote. <laughs> we wanted to be 500 or better in October. Yeah, November is a very important month. Hey, DJ, October was a very important month, and you know when you played five of eight teams that didn't make the playoffs last year, and you've spent the majority of the time at home <laughs> against these like the Detroit's and the Buffaloes and the the mid card crap teams in this league and you go you're four and four now and go we wanted to go 500 well if you want to go 500 for the year you're going to end up with 82 points and 13 points out of a playoff spot and you're going to be looking for a goddamn job stop it with this crap six years you haven't made the playoffs and you want to be 500 can you imagine if the vegas golden knights came out yeah. We, we won the Stanley Cup Aim last higher, year. Bro. <laughs> okay, we won the Stanley yeah. Cup. And and coach comes out at the end of October. We wanted to be 500 yeah. in October. What the hell is that? <laughs> you should have lost four in a row. You've lost three. You lost three in a row before you beat Pittsburgh because your goalie played better than their goalie. I know you've had some injuries. You had the, the Pinto news, but he wasn't signed anyway. Yeah. You do get Norris back. Mm-hmm. Teams go through injuries. Have some depth. Yeah, and frankly, Ridley Gregg's been as good as anyone could have hoped for him to be. And you got all you could out of that. And you're like, yeah, no. How many goals do you have? 500. Half of your goals have come from your defenseman anyway, <laughs> right? Like, they're all scoring. Yep. Sanderson's scoring. Chikrin's well, scoring. They we're all scoring before they all got hurt. No, Shabbat got hurt and he wasn't scoring. Zub never scores. And yeah. all like, right. All right. The, the, the point is, is that... No other team do you hear about, oh, we got a couple of injuries, like the world's over. Zoob's going to be back, like, next game. Yeah. Come on. Well, and this was a criticism of Dorian as well, who would never come out and say, yeah, it's our goal to make the playoffs. Like, well, you know, we'd like to be around the playoffs. You know, we'd like to... Dude, like, give her... Put, at some point, you got to put the throttle down and have some some demands, right? I think, some, I think DJ gets another month. I think at this point, DJ's going to last the year. No. Barring no. a catastrophe. Uh, not, not barring a catastrophe. Barring if they... Another 500 month. 
Yeah, if they go under 500 in I don't November, expect that, though. They'll be better than that in November, don't you think? You well, I thought that in October. No. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Why? They've had a home-heavy schedule. Yeah. They've played not good teams coming so back far. from Coming back from Europe's going to be hard. You, Yo, you convinced me of that last yeah, week. Yeah, we apparently. talked about that. You were, you were not. Uh, I'm not sold on that either. But if yeah. you want to say so, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why you're going to play better teams in November, and you're going to play more games on the road. And it's very clear that when you're at home, your matchups at least give you a chance to win. And when you're on the road, you get killed on some of your matchups. <laughs> That's never improved. You had a home heavy schedule in the in the month of October with all these days off and playing these mid-card teams, like mid-card, like it's a wrestling term, but you, you know what I mean. Former U.S. champs. Right. <laughs> like, you, you've played nobody. You've had m- most of your games at home. Yeah, you've had a couple injuries. So have other teams. Mm-hmm. Big deal. You know how teams ride through the tough stretches? When they start 7-1, and one, you... You, you can, can lose a f- those. You got the points in your back. You can pocket. lose a few in a row yeah. because it's fine. But when you're getting blown out at home by the Buffaloes and the Detroits of the world, <laughs> stop with this. I think he gets another month. And if they're not, if they don't have a great month this in go November, back to, it's over. Doesn't this go back to though what you say, like the, the new management doesn't want to come in and just blow things up. And this has already been a huge move to have to let go Pierre. Are they going to want to do it again in a month? No, because at that point you're throwing in the towel on the season. No, you're not. Oh, of course you are. But at that point, you're bringing in somebody new who's not going to have a camp to put things together. You are pressing the panic button. We're done. So most of the time, so I do come from the lineage of Robbie Fratorik gets fired (laughs) eight games before the end of the regular season. Larry Robinson leads him to a Stanley Cup, the New Jersey Devils. This is not those New Jersey Devils. That was a mouthful there. You tell me. Okay, you wanted to tell me about the factual records mm. of teams coming back from Europe, which I probably can't debate what their actual record is compared to what I think they should be. Right. Okay, what I think they should be, I guess, doesn't matter because the factual records say that this is what it is. Yeah. Oh yeah, except for the LA Kings who are doing really well coming back from Australia, but that's okay. We'll ignore that. Um, it was a month ago. They weren't expected to play three days later. Was... Same as every other trip. When it's not, and that's the complete other side of the world as well. It's not even close to the same thing. Let's not do that. Yeah, it's further yeah. than Sweden. But they did it in like the second week of September. They didn't have to play again on Thursday for games that count. So if I'm going to... Look, the I, LA Kings just came in and pounded on Toronto. They looked really good doing it. The Kings are a very good team. If the Senators if I'm going to acquiesce right. to you on this argument, okay. you're going to have to come back to me and <laughs> I have tell to say you're right. And for the te- rest of your argument, no, but tell me the new coach bump and tell me that it is a thing. It does happen sometimes. Well, yeah. Oh, sometimes. Yeah. Who were the best teams in the league last year? Who was the best team in the league last year? The very Vegas, best team. Vegas. No. Yeah, they won the Stanley. Yes, Cup. I know. Was, but who had the best regular season? Boston, of like, Boston Bruins. Did they have a new coach? They did. Did Vegas had a full who, camp? Had no, no, stop, start, stop, not, that, stop. Course, no, that's not the same as firing someone in the middle of the season. Okay, then I'll fire someone in the middle of the season, and you tell me the records of the new coach bump and tell me it's not better than it was worse. You're not going to get away with this <laughs> throwing in the towel on the season because they fire a coach in November. If you fire, look, maybe it wouldn't be. I'm just saying your point earlier was that new ownerships don't want to come in and completely clean house right, right away. So they've now had to come in. Their, their hand was forced. They had to fire. Yeah, they Pierre. had no choice. That's today. right. They had to do that now. Agree. In four or five weeks, it's not going well. You're back from Europe. Yep. 
Do they want to do the coach now? And frankly, you're only doing that if this month hasn't gone well, right? You wouldn't fire him if things are going fine and you're back on track. So obviously you've fallen behind the eight ball. Now you're going to fire DJ, bring in a coach who's not going to get a camp, who's not going to get time to put things together. You know, the, the, the new coach thing can work, but not if you're already dead and buried. And this is one of the things that's... Dead and buried. Why do you keep saying this dead because and buried if stuff? They've, they're not firing DJ if they've done fine this month. They've already... So probably, if, they, if, if they go under 500, two games under 500 in November, yeah. they're six points out of a playoff spot. They're dead and buried? Pretty close. We do this every year, November 1st, the American Thanksgiving teams who aren't in it. It's hard to make that up. Guys, first, don't get back in it. First of all, American Thanksgiving's like December 1st, like not November 1st. I just said November 1st is what Elliot Friedman says is the actual cutoff. All, American Thanksgiving. All Elliot Friedman says uh, three weeks into the season is yep. the cutoff. Well, is that what Elliot had, Friedman he had says? Yeah, math. math. Okay. I'm not saying we have to buy into it. These are the types of dates that people go, if you're not in it and the math starts to line okay. up, you're not going to be in it. Here's, and we've seen Ottawa have this happen before. Shitty Novembers, and then they get to put the pedal down, but you've already fallen six or eight points back, right. and you just can't get there because there's three-point games every night, all these Well, then here's what I would suggest. Okay. I'll throw the making the playoffs. If you are going to claim them dead and buried in November... Good for you. That will be your take. It'll be a great well, can opinion. Can I see what their record is first? Yeah, it'll be a great opinion. Okay. They're dead and buried if they fire the coach in November. Mm-hmm. My opinion would be, I would like a coach in that keeps guys responsible that if they're not playing well, they're actually not going to play and they're not the coach's best friend. There's only so many guys on the roster. No, but... <laughs> if they're all playing like shit. What again, <laughs> Tim Stutzla can turn the puck over. And he's going to be doing that soft thing again, eh? Like, yeah, he is. Yeah, it's not good. He's got to get the other end of his game. Right. But does he ever get punished or sat? Or right. The only thing a coach can control, we're always told this, is ice time. Yep. Because whether you're friends or not friends, or like whatever it is, the one thing that's in your control as a coach, when somebody's not playing well, you can control their ice time mm-hmm. and put somebody else out. DJ Smith refuses to do that with his top six. Yeah, we've, we've seen like Kubalik get sad. Oh yeah, or whatever. And, and but Pinto not, last year right. and all like, but never the Kachucks, the Stutzlas, the Bathersons, the Norrises. Never. Well, see, so Kachuk doesn't ever seem to. I'm not saying he deserves. He doesn't it, give a, but he, nobody, a reason to do it. Yeah, but not everyone plays a great game every game. No, that's right. And I think it's okay that hey, you're not going tonight. This guy's going. We're actually going to play you a little bit less, and yeah. we're not going to have you on the ice not knowing how to defend in our own end and still play you 20 minutes every game. Right. A new coach, like let's say Claude Julian comes in. Mm-hmm. You think he would put up with that? Yeah, probably not. When no. You're f- yeah. So that's what I want fixed in November if this team is not playing well. Right. And I don't, whether they make the playoffs or not, a like, change in but direction. But you got to give me that they've had these bad Novembers, and then they play pretty well from December first through the yeah. rest of the team. But you're you're too far back. It doesn't matter. And so that's all I'm saying. Whether you want to cling to the term I use, dead and buried. Maybe that's overstating it. But if you fired your coach, it's because November hasn't gone well. Now you are six or eight points back again. And it's really hard. I, I don't disagree. It's really hard to make so, up. But when they haven't played well before, they've been like four and twelve. Yeah. So you're it, saying this time maybe it's seven, eight, eight and eleven or something. Yeah, or, they're eight and ten, and it's like okay, we got to change things. Right. And DJ Smith has had his opportunity. I don't care whether you're the new management coming in or not. 
this is your trial run because you've been the coach for the last five years that has not made the playoffs. Right. So while I don't have the track record as a new owner to watch you, I have this first two months and I know what you haven't done before. Right. And now I know what I'm seeing and I got new people in charge and I need this going in a different direction. DJ Smith is coaching for his life and you saw that uh, two games ago when he fired that water bottle after they lost. <laughs> his tension is very, very high right now. He's, he has ne- not always been like that. No, the expectations, as you've suggested, are, are cranked. Well, he knows. His job bit. is on the line, and when his team's not performing. Yeah. So while I understand that they did not want to make today a mistake that the organization has made in being punished with a first-round pick, they didn't want to make that about their head coach because their GM got let go, resigned, yeah. fired, whatever you want to call it. That's what the issue is today. I agree with that. Doesn't mean that there isn't another issue coming with the coach. Speaking of coaching, we want to talk some Red Blacks. We got other things to touch on. We'll do that, but uh, we need a new beer first. So we'll be back in just a sec. Stay there. Let's fire some employees. Excellent. Okay, let's make this sporting, Leonard. If you can tell me why I shouldn't fire you without using the letter E, you can keep your job. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I'm a good work guy. You're fired. But I didn't say. You will. <laughs> We're back into it here. We got a few other things to talk about. Before we do, I want to mention that uh, on Friday morning, making his TCA debut, Mr. Ken Reed from Sportsnet is going to be here. Fantastic. Got a, new, got a new book out, Hometown Hockey Heroes. So we'll talk to him a little about that. We'll see if he's got any breweries he wants to shout out. Maybe from, uh, he's a big maritime guy. So you know, we'll he's a big Nova Scotia guy. That's right. Is what he is. And I, I want to see if ask, he's got any East Coast pro wrestling memories. Ask uh, Ken Reed. Yeah. First of all, say hello okay. for me, uh-huh. please. I'll will be do. listening. I will. And ask him about if he remembers golfing at the Hunt Club. At the Ottawa Hunt Club. Yeah. Okay. And the story that goes with it. Okay. I golfed with Ken. He he was such a he's such a great guy, and I know he that, seems like a really fun dude. Oh, and so we well been, before when Ken was. I'm not going to tell too many tales out of school. I think when we were all young and sort of in the business, and you're not tied down to anything. Ken was a pretty fun guy to hang out with. Okay. Okay. That's, I get that vibe as well from... Uh, well, he's always a fun guy to hang out with. I just haven't seen him or talked to him in a long time. Right. But when he was here at the new RO, I was here, we used to hang out and we would golf and go out together and um, man, just a a laugh a minute and you just never knew where things were going Okay, with that guy. So, uh, ask him if he remembers the story about golfing at the Hunt Club. If he does, he can tell that to you and... That'd be great. How we almost got kicked off and... Uh, anyway, <laughs> that's going to be Friday morning. He's such a good dude. Yeah. We're looking forward to having him on. Like I said, this will be his first time on the podcast. So, uh, stick around for that. Make sure you're subscribed over here in us right now. We got new beers. This is one you brought for me. This is, uh, a, a, a what do they call collaboration. collaboration. I, I was going to call it a coordination. That's not quite correct. I mean, they would have coordinated to some I got to get these big words to you earlier in the, it's true. In the broadcast. <laughs> But yeah, it is. It's the pints. So what I brought you was Maze Craze, 
which is a collaboration between Kijisipi and Saunders Farm, and it is an apple cinnamon stout. Now, Saunders Farm yeah. makes their own ciders. They have a bunch of ciders from the very sweet to uh, like a candy apple, which is their sweetest, yeah. and, and they have a... You sound like L.A. Knight there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to you. <laughs> Great. I'm going to open the show every Thursday that way. Right. <laughs> Let me talk to you. Yeah. Like, thanks. I can do Steve Austin too, LA, from 20 years ago. I can do that too. The maze but, craze. The Willie Mays craze. So they have like seasonals. Where they have a pumpkin cider. They have kind of their dry cider, which is called Sawtooth, I believe. Um, but they have five or six different ciders, and they collaborate with Kitchisippi and... Uh, Paul Meek, who is a fantastic human being, and the the guy in charge of Kitchisippi, right? And yeah, they came up with maze craze based off you know Saunders Farm. You go, there's corn mazes, there's haunted houses, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, so I'm eager. I had that at home, yeah. but I'm eager to hear your take on a very. I think it's it's pretty flavorful. It really is. You get more of the cinnamon, I think, than the than the apple, which is probably to be expected, right? That's a stronger yeah. flavor. Uh, it reminds me a little, although being less overpowering, uh, is it Beyond the Pale that does the dark and picante Mexican cake stout? I See, believe I've I have seen that, that right? and I have not had it. Okay. It's really good, but it is very, very cinnamon heavy. Right. This, yeah, this... This pulls back on that a little. That Mexican cake stout that I'm mentioning, it's really nice, but it's one of those ones like we've talked about before. You're going to have one and then you're going to move on to well, something maybe else. Maybe I could have two or three. Yeah. I'm that you, type you of could. But I want to try it, this one now. Yeah. And it's, you would have two or three over time. You wouldn't sit and drink two or three of them yeah. in a row. Yeah. Whereas this, I think you could. This has got that cinnamon flavor, but it's less a punch in the face with it. Right. Right. So I'm enjoying that quite a bit. Um, and, and just about anything with a stout is going to get my attention, right? Because uh, a stout, it can hold it can hold its weight, right? You can try just about anything in a stout. We've talked about that before. So, uh, really enjoying this one. What did you go with there out of the uh, out of the fridge? See, I have not had anything from Vimy. Mm. So, in the fridge, yeah, you had two different IPAs. And then an East Coast Pale Ale. So I've decided on the East Coast Pale Ale. Right. From from Vimy. Yeah, you were looking to go just a little less hoppy on this one. We assumed the Pale Ale would probably fit the uh, fit the mold there. And it does. It's it's clean. Yeah. It's very clean and crisp. Okay. Um. Juicy, not hoppy. Right. Again, Pale Ales aren't my. Forte when it comes to pale ales have like a wide. You don't ever really know quite what you're gonna get, right? Like pale ales can go a lot of different directions. That's disconcerting to some people. But what I like best about this beer is how crisp and clean it is. Okay, and yeah. that matters to me, right? I there's a bunch of breweries I like because of that fact alone. The crispness and the like, how clean a finish it is. Yeah, that I will go back even if their flavors aren't necessarily what I love. I will go back because I can drink it 
and enjoy it because of that. So I should mention that uh, Vimy put out on their social media feeds on Wednesday that uh, they've selected which of their beers is going into this year's um, advent calendar that Nita runs. Uh, it's usually 24, well, it's always 24 different craft beers, one new every day of the uh, of the month leading up to Christmas in December. And it's mostly beers or breweries from around Ottawa, but there are a couple from down Toronto, you know, maybe southwestern Ontario, just people that Andy from the Nita Beer Company knows and yep. wants to get in there. And so Vimy, they were teasing it, like they don't like to give it away. And one of the cool things about the advent calendar is that it's, it's kept secret. You don't know what's in there. Like even if you're trying to pick them up, put them in the fridge, they're numbered and then they have a little barcode. And so on the day of, you know, December 3rd, you pick up the December 3rd one, you scan that barcode and then it will tell you what you're about to drink, but you don't know ahead of time. Um, See, I love that. Yeah. It keeps a little secret, keeps a little, uh, you know, keeps the, because it's a huge box. Lots of people don't have room to just put 24 beers in their fridge at once or whatever. So you put the four or six in and it's not being spoiled for you as you pull them out. Is it wrong that I have room? Okay. Okay. Well, some people do. I make room. Most people don't. You and I are a special breed. I make room. Yeah. Okay. Um, So Vimy is in it this year. And uh, if you want to pick up a calendar, your calendar of your own, uh, you know, we always get into it around the podcast here. It's at uh, needabeer.com. It's right there on the front page, their uh, holiday craft beer calendar. Nice. I saw the fact that you put up what was coming up this week and you had the pale ales or the IPAs from uh, Ashton. Yes. We had those last week on the podcast. It was pretty nice, right? And I saw that Ashton had a nice, they put out, they kind of retweeted in their story yep. and did that. So that was nice. And I, I like forming the relationships of with course. the different breweries. And of course, ma'am. So, uh, you had said, and, and we traded some notes and, and look, we, we sort of threw out the notes for today knowing what was happening around the senators and that was going to take up a significant portion of the podcast. But one of the things that I know you wanted to comment on was the announcement that the Ottawa Red Blacks, following their final game of the season, finally done, uh, will be holding on to head coach Bob Dice for another season. And such that a, was such a, a good last game, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that was one of the things that we were wondering. You know, there's not too many ways to go you want stability you want your organization to feel like it's on solid footing you don't want to feel like you're firing a coach every year and yet there were people out there who perhaps not unfairly were saying look it's time to turn this thing over we we need change here in this organization what did you think when you saw Sean Burke announce that uh that Bob Dice would be back as head coach next year well I think one of the things that Sean Burke has tied himself to is that consistency in decision-making where he hired Bob Dice last year. Mm-hmm. Bob Dice has been the coach for one year yeah. of this team. And I don't think you, I don't think when any team hires a coach, it would have to be under pretty extraordinary circumstances for you to fire a coach after one year. Because if you thought that that was the right person to turn it around and you did all of your homework and all your due diligence and talked to everyone around the league, no matter what sport it is, and you went with that person, what would it say about you as the manager? Oops, I was wrong. That you said, it's okay to admit fault. I think it's a good thing to admit fault. You only get to do this so many times though, right? Yeah, you don't. coach bullet, you only get so many. You don't, like after one year. The first question the next coach would have was like, so 
if things don't go exactly the way you want, <laughs> I'm going to be fired in a year? Right? That'd be my first question. Sure. It would make me think, what's this organization doing? Turning. And it is worth saying that this first time head coach was dealt a hand where he had his starting quarterback for a quarter and a half yeah. of one game yeah. this season. Now, things didn't go very well. People saw, we all watched a couple of pretty questionable decisions throughout the season by Bob Dice yes. that he's going to be held responsible for. But I'm with you that I did not expect Sean Burke would replace the head coach again quite this soon. It's it's if, a bad look, it's bad for your organization, and it's a bad look on him if you... It's a bad it. look on everyone. And then you have Oseg thinking, okay, well, we've hired this general manager, and now the general manager's hiring people and then firing people one year later. Yeah. And, like, it just isn't... It isn't what you do to construct a culture and a foundation of your organization. Right. It's just not what you do. And if you didn't come out right away, this is my, somebody to me was just adamant that Bob Dice would be fired. And I said to them, like, okay, so if you think that he should be fired, what is it that you want them to go and do to then have them be consistent and have them be like, you didn't like some of the things that you saw, so then they should be fired. Okay. I I didn't like some of the things that I saw. Right. But what, what message does that send of, of trying to rebuild, trying to bring players in where they think, okay, if things don't go well right away, then you're going to fire the next coach and then I'm not going to have the same standing. Like you need to build a culture of consistency with the right people. Yep. And also, so this person who kept coming at me, they just wouldn't let go. And so I said to them, and they're a friend of mine, Mm -hmm. but they're just adamant about their point. And I said, okay, let's just worst case scenario this. You don't say anything about Bob Dice He's dead man walking. Yeah. Okay. So you come out and you say it. If I said to you, December 15th. So what you're suggesting is that you don't announce he's coming back. You just leave it hanging out there. and People are guessing, even though in your mind he is coming back, you have to say it. You have to come out and say it. Correct. Yeah. So let's say I said to you on December 15th, you're the person who wants Bob Dice gone no matter what. Right. You've just decided that that's what you want. It's come up snake eyes on the dice man. December 15th, I, cu- I come to you uh, as, as a general enough. manager yeah. and say, after 45 days of uh, deliberation. Yeah, of a, of a deep dive and understanding every single possible thing that went wrong, we've decided that we are going to go in a different direction. Would you be mad? Like, if I'm Bob Dice or if no, I'm the person if, if who wants him if gone? if you're the person who wants him gone. No, because you, you made the right choice. If if I'm that guy, right. you took your time, You and, and maybe that's the right thing to do, right? Take your time, dig under every rock, see what But if you don't be- say it now that he's back, he's yeah. dead man walking. You have to say it now. Or you got to fire him now. Like, you can't, you can't go I the I think you're right. I think in terms of PR, this fan base is fed up enough that they want answers right now. They're not going to give you a whole lot of time. Right. But I don't think it's a terrible thing for Sean Burke to come out and go, look, we get everybody's fired up. I'm fired up. I'm pissed off. We're going to take a little time to let the temperature go down and properly dig into all of this. 
I don't think that's a terrible move. It might have been an unpopular move, but I, I think I think it sends the wrong valid. message to yeah. a lot of different people. So well I don't think but they're you're not f- immediately loyal. Well I don't think they're gonna fire him on December fifteenth no, at all. But even if they did, that would be better to me than saying we're gonna take your time. I don't like the we're gonna take your time thing. Um well we just uh, uh, all right. It's football. Okay. It's different. It's different. Okay. Only because it fits Lee's argument at the moment. No, if you <laughs> if you want to come at me with an example of a first-year head coach in the NHL. Well, I could say I, I'll not a first-year head coach, but a rookie head coach in DJ Smith. It's his first time. We just said you don't come in and clean house. We said Brandon Shanahan did the exact How long has DJ right Smith thing. coached? Yeah, I the get sense. it. He's been around. I have no idea. It's three, four years? Oh, it's f- in his five years. Okay. So. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> Guy Boucher didn't last very long, and now he's coaching your team. He it's sure awesome. is. He's awesome. <laughs> uh, he finally got there. Anyway, so they're going to stick with Bob Dice. Yeah. And Sean Burke has said that Bob Dice is going to select his coordinators. I might not have allowed that. See, I agree with you. I think publicly it's okay to say that I'm going to let Bob choose his, but I'm going to strongly suggest. Yeah, I will be in those meetings. (laughs) Yeah. How about this? Bob's allowed to pick them, but if Bob comes to me with the wrong guy, that guy's not getting hired. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. You're right. Publicly, it's okay to say these are going to be Dice's calls, but we just saw Dice's calls and correct. now I'm going to have a voice in that. Yes. The voice will be a little bit louder behind (laughs) the scenes in that because you just have to, you're managing the entire group. You're managing the team. That's what a GM is supposed to do. But I heard Sean on the Red Blacks radio show, show, our friend AJ Jackie back. I know the, the music. It's just sentimental to me. AJ <laughs> comes on, he blows the opening, he doesn't do it right. <laughs> oh. And I still listen to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said, thought I thought Berkey stood in there pretty well. I did too. I thought I thought AJ asked some good questions. You and I talked off air. I thought the the call in portion Sort of hit and miss. I thought some people were more just looking to welcome, vent than well, actually ask him a question. Welcome to talk radio. I look. You guys don't didn't do it a whole lot on twelve hundred in the regular day to day, but on any other like the fan five ninety when I was young used to do it all the time. Call in hours and what? Turning it off. I don't. I don't care. I don't want to hear what. Yeah, there's a reason why <laughs> that has kind of gone by the wayside. Yes, because. It's just to hit and miss, even if you get a couple it's of good... It's just me. It's just more idiots like me. <laughs> Do you know what? So I never... And this is a bit of a history lesson. Hmm. Um, the first day I interned, I had a boss named Alan Davis. And he came in and we were running the Jim Rome show at the time. And he's got this big voice, Alan Davis, the, the former boss. like four or five bosses that go down there. This is in 2000. Ooh. What do you think about Jim Rome, Lee? <laughs> and Rome is for people who haven't heard Jim Rome. That's syndicated American. Yeah. Yeah. And it, he went in his own direction with CBS. and But very, very particular style for Jim Rome. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I learned very, very quickly in the business was – 
phone calls on talk radio are not a right. They're not a right for you as the caller to call in and just be heard because it's an it's an open forum. Right. It's it's a show. It's entertainment. And Jim Rome took a lot of callers, but Jim Rome didn't take everyday callers. Jim Rome only took the best callers. And those callers were screened and screened and part of his program. Yeah, there's a producer who's answering the phone first. But they were part of the entertainment. Right. It wasn't. But it matters, right? If you call the producer and you're kind of. I, I was hoping to talk to like you're nervous and you're murmuring the see ya right like you're he's they're they're gonna screen the confident guy the guy with a weird take the guy something that Jim Rome can play off of correct because every portion of a show should be part of the entertainment whether that's a call or a text or yeah it's an entertainment show that you're listening to and the callers especially with texting and how popular that has become yeah. The callers have gotten less and less so that when people call in, it's very, very hit and miss at every talk radio station around. It's yeah. a very difficult thing to do all the time. 100%. Because and so this was a call-in show, the second half of this week's Red yeah. Blacks radio so show. So I want to give him a ton of credit. Berkey, Sean Burke. No. Oh. It, well, I will. Okay. Uh, uh, well, maybe uh, at some point, but I will give AJ a ton of credit. First half hour was AJ asking questions. And he asked very he did. good, short, succinct questions mm-hmm. that mattered to an audience. Yep. I don't know where he, he must have learned that from me. And I, <laughs> I, it must have taken him 20 years to figure this out how to ask good questions yeah. because I've never heard him in a half hour period. I thought you were going to key in on the succinct part. The fact that he asked short, succinct questions. That's not AJ's game. <laughs> well, it's not. You can say that and I can <laughs> very heartily agree and right. go yes Matt that's the best thing you've ever said on this show Sweet. but he is the he's not necessarily a guy that keeps it short and sweet right but when you're in a different what AJ gets as a pro is the fact that sometimes whether he believes it or not um so like a lot of the time people think that they're there because people are there to hear them. And I agree with that. But there are certain times where people, it's like the referees, you don't want to notice them. Right. If somebody's in and it's the general manager yes. of a team that's really underperformed and needs to be asked the hard questions, you don't need to hear the host. Ask the question and back out. Get out of and the let way. this guy talk. And man, did AJ do that yes, so well the other night. Yes, he did. Um, Again, I just that show gets podcasted. If you want to check that out yeah, for yourself, no, but it it was really good because that's what needed to happen, regardless of who was in that seat. Yeah, it needed to happen. I wish Sean was a little bit stronger in some of his uh, answers when it comes to what the concerns were of the fans, because I know Sean hasn't been here for the entire time. It's like Michael Anlauer hasn't been here like three minutes. And it's like anybody new coming in, right? Like, but he has been the, here. F- the fans have been here the whole time. They're pissed. Right. They're fed up. I get it that it's not your fault. Like, it's not Mitch Marner's fault. The Leafs haven't won since '67. Correct. But the fans have been here the whole time. Yeah. We're sick of it, right? So, but and now Marner's been there for a while. Now Marner so is can, on the hook for everything since 2016. But now so Sean now. Burke has been here two that's years. That's right. Yeah. 
And I wish he were a little bit stronger. It, this team has not played a playoff game, the Red Blocks, yeah. in a nine-team league where six teams make the playoffs. <laughs> so only a third of the teams yeah. don't make the playoffs. Six of nine make it. Yeah, Haven't played a playoff game since the Grey Cup game in 2018. Okay? Was yeah. it 14 and 54 or something like yeah. that? Disgusting. Like, absurdly bad. Yeah. So I wish he was a little bit more um, kind of with the fans uh, on the it needs to be turned around now and I'm the guy to do it. But he did hang in there. Mm-hmm. And it and- was the second half that was the callers where there was moments where it was un- like it felt to me a lot of a lot like callers were calling in to vent at him rather than ask him a question okay. instead of being like, hey, what are you going to do to improve the defense? It was it came off more like, hey, your defense sucks. Like, OK, well, thanks for the call. <laughs> right? Like, I- Yeah, but where I wish he was a little bit stronger was. AJ asked him a question about his footprints are all over the offensive line. It's, yeah. it's one of the biggest parts that Sean Burke has been involved That's with. Right, yeah. So then I'm watching the game incredibly. I'm watching the <laughs> third string Toronto Argonauts yeah. run rampant over this Red Box team. And I don't give a rat's ass at all about I've heard, I've had some people tell me, oh, the second stringers for the Argos, I've they're as good as anybody. Okay, <laughs> but they can't even play on their own team because they're second string. They might be good enough to play here or anywhere else, but they're still the second and third stringers there, yeah. and they're wiping the mat <laughs> with your team that has nothing to play for except for pride and all your starters are playing and you're getting creamed by a guy with a mustache I've never heard of playing quarterback. And do you know why they're getting creamed? Because that team is organized and that team has depth at the positions and they're coached well. They put up a stat in the middle of the game that I was just like, oh my God. And I, I, I'm sorry I didn't look it up because I wanted to look it up before I got here. But let's just, I'll ask you a question. Mm-hmm. I'll ballpark the fact that this team in sacks allowed as opposed to sacks gained. Like a, let's like do a, the differential? You yeah, mean? the yeah. differential. Yeah. I'll guesstimate that that's somewhere between minus 25 and minus 30. Seem, but it seemed like Crum was getting destroyed all yes. year long. So some of that might be on the quarterback. Yep. Some of that's He's hanging on to it a long yeah, time. Yeah, he's for like, sure. He's like, but, to run but I don't care what the reasons are why those things are happening. I'm going to ballpark that number at minus 25 to 30. And I stand to be corrected, Sure, but I know I witnessed a lot more sacks given. Meaning they've given up more sacks, 25 more sacks than they have sacked the other team. Correct. Yeah. I'll go with 25 to 30. Okay. The Argos sacked Crum in the third quarter of that game. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the Argos had 68 sacks for and 18 against. So if they're plus 50 yeah. in sacks and you're minus 30, so now we're talking about 80 sacks yeah. in a year. 80. <laughs> you play 18 games. <laughs> okay? No, these are facts. I understand. Okay? So that means every single solitary game, 
there's a differential of four sacks a game, every single game. So if, if you get two sacks, you're giving up six. You get four, you're giving up eight. Hard to make, hard to march with that, all that going on. Like, what the hell? <laughs> if Sean Burke, I think, has a great mind for football, and I don't think it's... Well, let me, before you move off of that, what percentage of that are you willing to put on the offensive line versus this young quarterback who does like to hold on to the ball, who does like to run? Like, where is the problem when the, the, the sacks are this lopsided? Where are you putting most of the blame? The offensive line. Okay. Don't I don't care what I heard a lot. Well, the, this this then moves back quite nicely into what you were just saying that that's where his hands have been most all over this. Sean Burke on that offensive line. Correct. If you think it's that bad and that's his baby, yeah, then, then fix man, it. Then that lands right in his lap. Yeah. Then fix it. Yeah. And I don't care whether most hey, people were pretty high on the moves he made. I know. Yeah. But hey, we drafted a guy first overall. He's going to be amazing. But he didn't play last year because he had a broken leg. And he really didn't come in shape. And yeah. we're, we're kind of not happy. Ha- he did lay that out, eh? Yeah. On that radio, on the uh, interview he did with AJ. But it's... He it, was pretty hard on, on Don. Yeah, Lee but Moore. you could see it. And, and, Understood. And that's the point. Yeah. Of like, you could see that that guy was gassed. Yeah. You could see that that guy was getting beat physically on guys that were undersized. Yeah. Um, Zach Pelios had a very up and down year. Um, they just had no continuity where, where that's where they talked about. And then on the defensive line, two years ago, I guess they were so good with Lorenzo Molden winning defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. And I think Molden with being hurt this year, he was hurt the year before, but hurt this year, allowed Bryce Carter to be a little bit better. But their defensive line was nothing to write home about either. Nope. Okay. They couldn't get to the quarterback when they needed to That's get right. to the quarterback. No, right. When Montreal dialed up blitzes, Ottawa had zero answer. When Ottawa dialed up blitzes, even if they dialed them up and got there, teams fixed it right away. Yeah. So I think Sean Burke is the right guy, right football mind, right guy for the job. He brings an air of confidence. He brings some stability. Yep. He brings, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I'm I'm going to listen to a whole bunch of people. I'm going to bring in the people that need, I think he's the right guy to be the general manager, mm-hmm. but it's time to fix it. And I would have liked them to be a little bit stronger on, we, we got annihilated in different areas yeah. that I have my footprints in and I need to be better. So I think the coordinators need to be better. I'd be surprised that both of them are back. Yeah, same. Um, if you're keeping the GM and you're keeping the head coach, the coordinators are going to be changed. That's just the way it is. I, I think so. Maybe one comes back. But if one comes back and you're selling to the fans, okay, well, we were a 4-14 and 14 when we said actions are going to be louder than any words we say. And then we're 4-14. and 14. We're 3-3, three and three, by the way. And then we were 4-14. and 14. Yeah. So that, that adds up to what? 1-13? and 13? No, what is that up? One and eleven. Sorry, one and eleven. My math is not good <laughs> at this point. But one and eleven in your last twelve games. Come on, like t- there's got to be accountability. No, there. but just list the the quarterbacks that were beating them on a regular basis. <laughs> Trey Ford, Caleb Evans, who was here in Ottawa, is torching them with the Montreal Alouettes. Yeah, Dude, who I don't even know his name for the Argos, was torching them the <laughs> other night. Like. There's just way too many quarterbacks that were torching them because their defense sucked. And how many areas were they better 
in this year than they were last year. Well, it's funny because eh, I, I, you could even segment out the season. I felt like at the beginning of the year when Masoli wasn't ready yet and the defense was holding them in it. And then you had the new kid, the crumb comes in. And again, the defense is holding tough, right? And then it sort of felt like for a minute there, mid-season, crumb was figuring it out. He might be, you know, a useful, and I'm not saying he's not going to be a useful guy, but he, he, for a rookie kid who's fourth string, like he's doing his best. Yeah. And that's when the defense seemed to fall apart. And now you have nothing, right? Your offense isn't doing what it was ever designed to do. And your defense is done holding you in it. Man, I, I. Right. So, but. I, I think if you're going to bring Bob Dice back, okay, here's what I would do. And you know I'm going to talk about it every single week, and you're going to be mad at me every single week. And you're going to be mad at me anyway, so it's like it's like when I go home, right? Like People are going to be mad at you regardless, so just do things because they're going to be mad at you one way or another. This is the way you're going to feel about me. Okay. But every single week, I'm going to harp on the fact that every week I watch – U.S. college football, I watch the NFL, I watch the CFL. I try and watch as much football as I possibly can. And in-game coaching decisions and the clock management and time management and all that stuff are just deplorable. So if in-game coaching decisions, I'm going to say that I think Bob Dice is a really good man and a really good coach. As far as his head coaching ability, I think he brings people together. I think he has people believe in him. I think he has a lot of great qualities. I don't think in-game coaching, Sean Burke on that show said 20 seconds. I don't have, I don't get 20 seconds to make a decision. And I'm like, no, you got way longer than 20 seconds because you should be three, four or five plays ahead of everything that's happening. Right. If we do this, it's going to be complete here, which means I want to do the this. The Cowboys or, yeah. beat the Rams on Sunday. Mm-hmm. I like that, right? Yeah. I bet Destroyed them. Yeah. But in that game, the Cowboys were up 33-3, to and the Rams were driving in the last drive of the first half. On that drive, they had two timeouts, and they had about a minute to go, and they were at the 50-yard line. And all, the entire way, Sean McVay... Down 30 points in the first half. Biggest coaching deficit that he's ever faced. Unless he, like, they end up scoring a touchdown, so it erased that on the last play. But he was down 30. He's never been down 30 with, like, a minute to go in the second quarter. The entire way down the drive, he's walking with the officials. They're, They're doing things in order. They're doing things structured and... When it came to clock management in the last minute of a team that was down 30, they were impeccable to the point where when they needed to call, they were going to nine seconds to go and they had a timeout. They could run the ball, but they were going to have to call timeout immediately if they did. Sean McVay had walked all the way down to the five-yard line, like not running, just methodically had walked down to tell the referee, we might run the ball here. And if we do, and he gets tackled, I am going to stand beside you. I'm going to scream in your ear that I'm going to call timeout right now. Right now. Because Sean McVay was in complete control of that one situation down the field. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So Bob I'm not leaving anything to chance here. I'm in this. I'm a part of this. I'm right here. Yeah. And that drive worked to perfection. The the Rams on the whole that day were not that good. But he was in control of everything that was happening. Right. 
Bob Dice does not seem like that guy, and I have no evidence to say that from the the four games that he was the interim coach where I think he made a few mistakes on the field coaching to any point in this season where he decided to kick the field goal against Saskatchewan, kick the field goal against BC, the Montreal stuff, like some terrible, terrible decisions. I think it's okay to go, you know what? You're really good. I want to keep you. But like if... But we're going to hire you some help. No, yeah. If JR sat me down at some point and go, I think you're a really good radio host when I was at TSN and you have out of 10, you have nine of these strengths and that's why you're in the position that you're in. Yeah. Because you're really, really good. But from nine to 10, that one part, I think we're going to try and help you out here so you can be even better. I feel like I should be open to that as a a person when their boss is coming. And I think a boss should come and say everyone should try and get better. Bob Dice needs to get better in that aspect. And I need to see the proof that that is going to happen. Right. Sean Burke needs to address that because he had four games and he's been in the league forever. And I heard him say, well, but he's a first year coach. He's been in the league for like 20 years and he's been an incredible coach the entire time. He had four games in the entire season. So now if you even want to give him the excuse, count the games in Saskatchewan. He had half a year there. He's had 30 games as a head coach in the league. If you don't have the game management part figured out by now, 20 years in and 30 games as a head coach, then you're not going to have it figured out. Figure it out now. Help him because he's a good coach. And I think Sean Burke needs to be a little stronger when it comes to, hey, we got holes. We're going to fix them. The last thing I would say on it is that if you've decided you're bringing back the GM and you've decided you're bringing back the head coach, whether you change the coordinators or not, you need something big this offseason. This fan base has been through it. They are clearly fed up. Attendance was down in Ottawa this year while it was up overall across the league. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to be able to sell this fan base on, well, you know, we got a couple new coordinators that are going to help advise Bob Dice and, and you know, we just think naturally. Correct. It'll, it'll and by work. the way, what you said there is a very good talk show host stat. Ottawa's attendance was down while the rest of the leagues was up. Yeah. Fa- factually correct. Yeah. Not saying that Ottawa had a better count in attendance so while their attendance was down. Yeah, it was going up overall over they, or across the league. Yeah, but yeah. in Edmonton, like four people could have gone and their attendance would have gone up, right? Like, <laughs> I, I, I understand what you're saying. Ottawa had a pretty good, they have a pretty good loyal base and they had a pretty high count of season ticket holders, even though their team sucked. So yeah, their attendance went down, but the, it's not like they're at Edmonton levels or BC back in the day or that's. Like BC went up this year. After Nathan Rourke, right? Like, yeah. I guess he fired up the market again, then bailed, and everyone was like, had already bought their tickets. So I guess we're going to the football game this week. I don't know. No, but, but their I'm, owners, a guy who brings in, they brought in what? LL some Cool J. Some, some halftime shows. Like, they're doing a nice job out there to re energize that fan yeah. base. So over the course of this winter, though, something flashy. But what? Is going to ha- That's what I was going to ask you is, is if you're bringing everybody back. What's the plan? What is it? What are you going to engage this fan base with? What are you going to engage your ticket buyers with that say, 
Yeah, keep coming. Keep well, coming, spending your money here, and maybe it'll get better, but you're going to have to show them something. I know, but I'm the wrong guy to ask this because I don't think I'm going to give you the answer that, that you want. Flashy? I don't know. For the casual CFL fan. Okay, if it's not flashy, it's got to be tangible. Can I use the word tangible? Yes, but as a casual CFL fan, would I'm not saying you. Let's yeah. just say whoever. Sure. Would you even know? Like, if they brought in 20 plus, like a top 10 player in the league. You're saying that some of these names maybe aren't big enough regardless to move the needle. Right. If I went and I asked, think the people who are considering buying CFL season tickets, they're going to notice if you bring in okay, like a top so 10 it, receiver or something. In the well, they're going to notice, but I'm not sure it's flashy. Brady Oliveira is up for MOP this year. Yeah. Do you think 90% of people that watch the CFL know who Brady Oliveira is? No, but I think probably 90% of people, like I said, who would buy season tickets would. Like, I think that's an interesting comparison. I think that's the people who sit down on a random Saturday afternoon because it just happens to be on TSN. No, probably not. But if you're willing to invest, you know, 10 nights uh, a year. Okay, so what would be flashy to you? Because what would be flashy to you and flashy to me are very different, I think. What would be flashy to you? Because flashy to me would be a couple of high-profile players that I know are high-profile, but other people don't. Flashy to you might be a concert. No, no, no. It's got to be on the field. Uh, can you find someone that you could install right now as your going into camp number one quarterback? No. Well, I think that's what you're. That's what we're talking about here. But you can't do it, though. You can't. There isn't anybody there. Yeah, that's and, going and to Berkey make that. said, "I'm with you." In his interview, like we expect to go into camp. We've sort of told Masoli, expect a battle. Right? You're not going to be anointed this time. You're going to have to go in and kind of work through it. So again, I think that's. But kind do you of, know who the best quarterback available is? This this off season? Yeah. No. Drew Brown. Yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah, but do you even know who Drew Brown is? Like, I'm not being disrespectful. Uh, Drew Brown is the backup in Winnipeg. Drew Brown is not moving the needles for your season ticket base. Of course he's not. He's the best available. Yeah, short of a trade of some kind. And again, uh, uh, you know, yeah, but I don't even know when you go through quarterbacks in the league, right? Vernon Adams, who I don't still don't think is great. Well, you just talked about Caleb Evans. Yeah. You let walk out of here only yes. to come back in and burn your house to yes. the ground. But so. he's not a starting quarterback in the league. No. Well, it's good enough to beat us. So. Yes, yes, but he was backing <laughs> up at Montreal at that point. Yeah. Yeah. My point is to you that the bigger conversation, they're just not a whole bunch of household quarterback names that you can bring in anymore to go, oh, yeah, that guy. That'll do it. Like, Who's the quarterback in Edmonton? Mm, don't really know. Trevor Harris got hurt. Yeah. Who's the quarterback in Saskatchewan? They're looking for one. Like if it's not, and Caleros fits the system so well in Winnipeg, I don't even think he's that good. Like the Argos developed Chad Kelly, who is now like dominating the league. Yeah. Bo Levi Mitchell this weekend is going to split time with Matthew Schiltz in the playoffs because they don't know which one's which better. Yeah. I just, my point to you is I don't know that there's a name out there that will move the needle. The only name, there's one name out there that will move the needle when it comes to the Ottawa Red Blacks. And it was brought up on that show, and I, I think it's worthwhile because he's put his name out there, is Henry Burris. Yeah, not to play. No, to coach. Yeah. But to be the head well, coach, do it. to be the coordinator, to be the quarterback's coach. Where is he right now? Nowhere. 
Oh, I thought he was. I knew he was with the Bears for a bit, and then he. Oh, moved and then he to, was with Jacksonville. Yeah, yeah, I knew and he, he was, was in with, Florida. Was where I last lost track of. Him yeah, but in. he actually put himself out there to be the new coach of Saskatchewan. Okay, like he threw it out there. I want to be the coach of the Rough Riders, and I don't think they're going to go down that route. But it means he's out there and available. Yes. But if it's, I'm not saying bringing in Henry Burris is the right answer. I actually don't think it is. But what I'm saying, I can tell you, he's a guy who grew up in that area. The Argos tried it with pinball over and over and over, and everybody loves pinball. But on the sideline, who cares? Unless he's playing again, who cares? Right? Like Gretzky is a coach. Right. Right. Doesn't doesn't matter. No. So I don't know of another name that would move the needle. Right. For people to go, hey, you know what? Yeah, they're doing something. Here's a few I, hundred bucks. I, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah. Wins. That's it. Because if they bring in Drew Brown, let's say they bring him in. Yeah. Drew Brown, Jeremiah Masoli, Dustin Crumb, Tyree Adams. They just signed um both uh Pigram and Yeah, that's right, just on Monday there. Yeah. It's escaping me now, but and done away. Yeah, so it's, just a, it's a mishmash. So you're you're saying you're just gonna have to be better. You're just gonna have to show it on the field. There is the off season is there's nothing you can do. The CFL has become not only in Ottawa, around the league. It's just the names are getting older. Yeah, yeah, and new guys coming in are not. They're not doing a good job at promoting how good the new guys are, the flashy parts of it. Yeah. No, you're right. The the stars are like, there is no Damon Allen. Oh. Like there is no uh, John John Cornish, right? Remember when that guy was tearing it up for Calgary? But even a few years ago, look at the quarterbacks that between when the Red Blacks won the Grey Cup and Henry Burris and Trevor Harris were here, but you looked around and you saw Bo Bo Levi, Levi, you saw Mike Riley. Yeah, yeah. You saw like all of these different quarterbacks that were. Doesn't it feel to you like that's happening across football too? Like the NFL feels light to me right now on star quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know what that is. It's happening in both leagues where you're just like, uh, there's a lot of just sort of just just guy right. Like just yep. And the problem the CFL for sure is that you you have an image problem that you need the quarterbacks to be the people that you're talking about. Yeah, and those people are getting hurt. Left and right, yeah. And I heard somebody. And throw part it. of it to me too is also the sh- the change in the NFL game. Just a little bit, they're willing to give guys who used to come up here a little longer look than they used to down yeah. there, right? But the biggest problem to me, which I, I I would like to see addressed in the CFL. I know it's Canadian Football League. I want to see Canadians in the league. I get that we have an unbelievable product, but until you stop putting. Like, I know they drafted Dante Bull, but let's just take, like, other examples. When you draft the guy, the the best football player at Laval, the best guy at the University of Montreal. Right. Because that offensive lineman, offensive lineman, offensive lineman. That's all they get taken in the CFL draft, mm-hmm. right? First round, offensive lineman from wherever. Yeah. The guy who played eight games for McGill, you're going to expect to block the guy who's coming from Alabama who didn't make the NFL, the guy who's coming from LSU that didn't make the NFL. Right. (laughs) And then when your quarterback gets hurt because your guy who played eight games, because that's how long the regular season is in OUA or U sports football. I need to, because they always call it CIS. Right. Yes. CIAU and rebranded. 
the guy who played eight games at Canadian College is expected to block this monster, the backup 325 pounder (laughs) from LSU. And then he doesn't. And then your quarterback gets hurt and you wonder why you have a problem. Stop. Just address it and go, we're going to, we're going to have like, if your offensive line is Canadian, then your defensive line also has to be Canadian. And if your offensive line is American, then your defensive line can be American. Yeah, now you're talking about, not incorrectly, but entire systematic changes. No, I agree. Overhauling the league. And, yes, yeah. but right now, guys who are coming from Division 1A schools yeah. as defensive linemen are going up against Canadians on the offensive line that played eight games at U Sports. Right. And when you're when they don't block those guys, their quarterbacks are getting, getting killed. Crushed, yeah. And all of the quarterbacks get hurt. And now you're wondering why you don't have a good product in a nine-team league. Yeah. I know. I, I know I changed the discussion. Sorry. Right. I, I, I guess I'll, I'll come back to it and say, I don't know what they can do to bring in something flashy because there isn't anything flashy. But again, even if I were to reel it anymore. back in on flashy and give you tangible, something people can wrap their hands around and go, I see what you're doing there. Right. right. Like, but... I don't know what that is either. I, I think they're in re- they're in real trouble. Who's, and I, who's the best running back of, in the league? Well, and, and running backs have become so yeah. so recyclable, right? So just uh, whatever. I don't know. I, right, but the reason the Argos are so good is because they brought in a quarterback that they developed on their own. Yep. They they yeah. Dustin Crum this <laughs> right with Chad Kelly, yep. but they. Put such a good team around them on the offensive line, receivers. Every- well, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, not dissimilar to the glory days of of Caleros and the and the Bombers, right? Caleros, he's fine, but the team around him was good enough oh. that he didn't have to be great. If Zach Caleros was here, he wouldn't be a good quarterback. And now you'd be crying <laughs> as a fan that you're paying a guy five hundred thousand dollars to be a bad quarterback for your team. Yeah. You got to drop that guy into a, a system with pieces around him that can support him, uh, and that's on Sean Burke. Yep. So Sean Burke, yeah, I think is a, the right guy to get it done. But it's time now for him to get it done by by finding those players, and they don't have to be players that you've heard of because you you haven't heard of ninety five percent of everyone who plays in the CFL. That's right. They need to get on the field and they need to look. The Argos with their backups and third stringers look like they knew what they were doing every snap. When they played against the Red Blocks, that bothered me. <laughs> it really bothered me because you're like, that's an organization that has like people were crucifying them because they were deep. And I'm like, what do you mean? That's what you want. You want your second and third stringers to come in and look like they could play for other teams because you've drafted and developed and coached them so well. Right. That team gave up 18 sacks this year. One a game, one. Yeah. So well, they're in trouble, man. This is a big off season. You're going to have to do it right. They I don't have, know what it takes to get people back, other than showing time. them it's going to be time that when the team gets on the field, they just look like a different team. Yeah, they're more aggressive. They look like they know what they're doing, and they're going to go out there. And I, I didn't buy either. Sean Burke saying that we played a. Very entertaining brand of football. No, that was not the. No, no, no. There, 
just because games came down to the end, a few of them, yeah. um, you won four games and one or two of them, you never should have won. Right? The Dustin Crumb comeback against Winnipeg yep. was one of the most inconceivable wins of all time. <laughs> Amazing, super fun to watch. Run that simulation again another thousand times. You're not getting never win it. So, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> so now you got three. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we shouldn't be talking like this. So it's time to fix it, and they're gonna have to fix it with the personnel that's on the field and just show people when I go. The eye test has to say that team knows what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's where we'll wrap this one up. Anything else you wanted to hit before we get out of here? Or? I don't know. You had all these show notes that I corrected and everything else, but I think. Pierre Dorian went and messed it all yeah, up for us. Yeah, he, he did. The Sens yeah. did. It's the right move, folks, when it comes to what happened today. And I think, I hate to say this, but you probably brought up the most salient point of all here where it feels like the last domino to fall. So if you are a Sens fan, it's a bad day because you lost a first-round pick. But it does feel now like whoever Steve Steos brings in, and I whether it's... A bad day for better tomorrows. Whether it's Matthew Darsh, whether it's Peter Shirelli, or whether it's anyone oh God, else. Pete Shirelli. I have faith, though, that between Michael Anlauer, Steve Steos, I think Alfie will get a bigger role. You'll see more of him now than you would have previously. And I think bringing in people that you can trust that believe in the team, the way Michael Anlauer spoke today, I think was great. Yeah. And as you said, bad day today for better times ahead. And I do think this might be the last domino to fall from the era that was Eugene Melnick, Pierre Dorian, and some others that unfortunately didn't get the job done and now have proven that they've done some things behind the scenes that weren't the best things. And you don't have to worry about that anymore as a sense fan. You're opening up all the doors and windows. You're just airing it all out. And then you can go back and repaint how you need Transparency to Transparency is, I think Michael Anlauer handled that question really well too. I wanted to touch on that because the NHL has not done a good job. The NHL has been terribly closed-lipped on both this and Shane Pinto's thing last week. We will have no all the betting stuff yeah. going on and we're not going to tell you why Shane Pinto. Yep. But trust us, it was bad. So yeah. we suspended him. Okay. Right. okay. right. But keep, so, keep, keep, keep giving us your money. So the NHL hasn't been transparent on what exactly happened in this situation either. Nope. But they're not helping their own clubs when they're not transparent because as a fan, it's okay that you screw up, but I want to know what you've done because if you're going to keep from me all of the bad things, yep. when you come to ask me for money, why am I going to give you my money if I don't know a lot of the things that are involved in how you run your business. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Right? Why would I give my hard-earned money to people who say, trust us, but then when things happen, are not going to tell me what happened? That's going to be a huge issue for the league moving forward. Is the, just... And that's a league problem. And I don't think the league's done a very good job. Michael Anlauer kind of called them out today. So and I think... this was part of the problem, not even problem, but going into that press conference today at 3.15, they had already, the league had released their statement on the punishment, right? The first round pick that yep. Ottawa was going to be docked and they gave you nothing else. So when you looked ahead and see, okay, there's a press conference at 3.15, if the league didn't give us any info, the team isn't going to either. Like this is all under one, so something else is happening and that's when everybody was able to turn their head and go, hmm, Pierre Dorian going to be there? Is right. he around? Like it, it became very obvious they just weren't going to give you anything. 
And so, yeah, the league needs to be better. Uh, I got a vote of confidence from listening to Michael and Lauer today that they're going to be kind of as transparent as they can. Yeah. But they'll have to prove it too. But they just got here. So yep. I feel like from him, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt until he proves otherwise. Right. And I think the team is probably headed in a better direction. And now on the ice in the month of November, 500's not good enough, DJ. No. No. You're going to have to get on a run here at this point. So. Don't care about your injuries. Don't care about... Just, I don't care that you play every game like the Pittsburgh game where you get run out of the rink and your goalie wins. Don't care. Need to win. Bank the points. We appreciate you checking this one out. Hope we covered as many bases as you, uh, you were looking for. Didn't it was any bases in the World Series. Wow. Well, it's going to be over by the next time we talk. probably might be over by Thursday morning. Yeah. So, uh, that's, I, I was sort of sitting up late Halloween night, man. A little sick to my stomach. I think I might have had too much candy, but it was really just the idea that the Texas Rangers, Texas Rangers. might be about to win something. Can yeah. we discuss next week the idea of every team from Dallas winning a championship That's, this year? Uh, if we have to. Okay. That's a next week thing. Okay. Uh, we are on social media at All Can Audio. Make sure you're following us there. Don't forget, Friday morning, Ken Reed from Sportsnet's going to be here. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, looking forward to talking to him as well. Uh, Rob back on Monday, AJ in on next Wednesday, Lee back next Thursday. Look, we're going to keep the good stuff coming for you. I know. What a run. Make sure you people are subscribed to the podcast wherever you're hearing us right now. For Lever Sage, my name is Matt Robinson. We'll see you next time. I am unhappy with the confusing and at times confrontational nature of that meeting. I wanted it to go better. Hit it again. I wanted it to go better. Oh, okay. Cactus Jack? Yeah. Gorgeous. A metal version? Yep. No way. Well, I know the Bang Bang. Yes. And then just your voice. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I got that part. Yeah.